Hello, I'm Martin. And I'm Angelina. And this is the CX Cast. Welcome back to the CX Cast. I am joined as ever, well, not quite as ever because I've missed a couple, but I am joined by my co host Angelina. So you can welcome me back, I guess. Welcome back, Martin. Thank you. Stroke my ego. And we're also joined by a friend of the show, Judy Weeder. Hello, Judy. Hello. How you doing? Not your first rodeo with us. Indeed. I love, I love getting to come on the CX cast. So Judy's going to talk about uh, one of my favorite topics. So when I was an analyst, I used to do a ton of work on organization structures, teams, all of that kind of stuff. And Judy has got hot off the press data about the state of CX teams. So that's what we're going to start with. So I know, let's, let's start with team accountability and what do CX teams do? So what, what is the latest findings you've got around? Like, what do CX teams do? Yeah, I mean, what's interesting is that they are doing more things than they, they have done previously, but it's still sort of in the standard CX-related stuff. So it's not like they've suddenly taken on, you know, pricing and, and procurement and things like that. But, but they are doing a lot more, not just on voice of the customer, but also things around analytics. Um, they're still trying to go hard on strategy. Where we're seeing a lot of the focus right now is very, very heavy on data and analytics. How can they extract more from the information that their organizations already have in order to better inform the organization about where the customer experience opportunities exist, and also to help inform the overall strategy around customer obsession, right? Like how do we activate the organization around the things it needs to get done to improve the things that are already in flight if we don't give them the data? And so there's a lot of effort and a lot of energy going around that. Now, simultaneous with that, we're also seeing that as we look at, say, the responsibilities, they seem to be pulling back a bit on some of the more traditional things that we would expect a CX function to be working on, like journey mapping. And one of the questions that we don't yet have an answer to is why that may be. Is that happening because CX champions are in their ascendancy and so they're able to distribute this or we're seeing more, say, centers of excellence because a lot of these teams are centralized. A lot of them are working at the enterprise level. Is that at, you know, the effect of champions becoming more prevalent? Or is it that there's, you know, a shadow CX that's happening, shadow CX organizations springing up? I've seen that in a couple of places lately, and it's not necessarily great for the CX function because then we don't have the consistency we're looking for. Or is it because they simply aren't doing this right now because there isn't the bandwidth to do the thing? Because there's so much stuff going on. CX programs, just like everyone else, they're being challenged to do more with typically about the same set of resources. In some cases, they're growing in size, but that's more because they may be growing in scope. And so we're trying to figure that out. Some of that's available in the data now. Some of it we're hoping to get in 24. Um, we're trying to understand the impact of CX being more aligned to, say, customer service and contact centers. And how is that affecting the scope that they, they may be impacting? So lots of, lots of things that are traditionally CX 
a few things where I think they're extending more into the insights and analytics, and I'm very glad to see that. And then a few things where we're, we're a little bit worried about them maybe pulling back on some things that are still very important and foundational to great customer experience. Do you have a sense from the data if things are actually getting done on these CX teams? So that's an interesting question. Um, it's very hard when we ask folks, you know, do you feel like you're successful to get a sense of what their maturity is and, and their success? They're definitely trying to find ways to show that they are successful. They're trying to connect the work that they're doing to the financial value that the firm is getting or the contribution to specific business objectives. So we're seeing them trying to show their success. And that that we can definitely say is happening. But we didn't ask them specifically about like, how many projects have you gotten done this year? Because sometimes we measure those things by the magnitude rather than by the quantity. So I think one of the, one of the takeaways I took from looking at the research that you've done is um, the, the kind of competencies versus responsibilities angle that you bring to it. So do you have the right skills? Are they in the right place? Are you doing the right things? And I think you saw a disconnect there, didn't you? Yeah, we did. And so when we think about how a CX function can be very successful, and, and I'll certainly get back to this one later, I'm sure, you have to be able to connect the things that you're doing to the things that the business cares about. But when we don't see an an emphasis on competencies in um, ROI, in storytelling, you know, even in the areas where there's those, they're still trying to grow, say in analytics, um, there's a real concern that they're not going to be able to deliver on the things that they need to get done. And so we're, we're still trying to monitor that to understand if you're trying to do something bigger than just be a VOC program which we see many, many folks say, I have a CX program. But when we ask them and sort of peel back the layers on what they're actually doing, there are many cases they are starting from a VOC program and they haven't really stretched beyond that. So they need to be able to develop more competencies in all of the traditional CX things, including visioning and strategy, in order to be able to set real intentions on what they're going to do and then be able to deliver on the things that they need to get done. Because otherwise, they're going to end up either doing it poorly or spinning their wheels, and neither of those are great situations. So there, there's still a bit of a mismatch. We this this report when it publishes, it has so many charts, so many charts to be able to go through all that and, and kind of see where the the disconnects exist, and and we show what are sort of the top five and the bottom five, and where we see the areas of improvement. So one of the things I found when we did this research with digital teams a few years ago is a lot of these teams grew to a point where they were hiring practitioners. So they'd hire designers, they'd hire developers, they'd hire product managers, et cetera. And then they reached this point of maturity and impact in the organization where actually what they needed was internal branding, internal marketing, persuasion, influence, the kind of skills you get from a consultant, not from a practitioner. Are you seeing CX teams at that same kind of point where it's actually becoming, you've got the basics, you can do VLC, you can provide insights. What you need to do is market them and embed them into the business. So that depends. I, I would say not necessarily looking at the data, but anecdotally, what I've found is that CX leaders that tend to do best in this role are people who can build great networks and who can influence the organization. So the the way I tend to describe it is, I don't expect CX to own anything, but I expect you to influence everything. And so that has to start from the top. 
that the CX leader has to be able to set that example and role model. Here's how you make friends and, and sort of win influence within the organization. And then from that sort of practitioner role, the person who's not just necessarily the strategist, but the CX designers, the people who are going to be going out into the rest of the organization and trying to make things happen, they have to be aware of how they are constantly selling other people on the value of customer experience. I'm going to help you do your job more efficiently. I'm going to help you be more successful. By doing these things, I'm going to enable you to be able to hit your goals. So I think that it starts at the top where you're role modeling it and then everybody has to do it. And then from a consultative perspective, I have seen some organizations, I'm thinking of one in particular for a, a nonprofit in uh, North America that had grown their team. They'd actually doubled the size of their team and built out consultants. And then those consultants were assigned to different parts of the organization and embedded. And that worked out well for a time. But then ultimately, the customer obsession of the organization was what was needed to be able to maintain that. And when that wasn't necessarily happening, then it sort of almost collapsed in on itself a bit. And that team had to shrink a little bit and recede into itself until it could figure out, well, what's our new vision? What's our new approach? And now they're in the process of expanding again. So I think it it's not something we necessarily see in the data, but we definitely see it anecdotally that that thing can happen. But you have to put the seeds out there first, and you have to be able to influence the organization. Otherwise, you can have 50 people, you can have 100 people. But if they come in and they're seen as like interlopers, they're seen as not one of us, then they can very, very easily get set to the side. And that's actually one of the benefits of having a CX champion or having an advocates or ambassadors program. You're training people who are already there and who are already embedded and know the business and are already accepted as part of the business so that you're not the outsider coming in. So there, there's a little pitch for some of Angelina's research on CX champions as well. <laughs> Thank you for that. And I'm so I'm starting to see a picture here. We have teams that are trying to dive deeper into the data. We have them maybe realizing they don't have uh, enough sway over the organization, need to do their culture work. In the 2022 data, you noted that there was underinvestment in analytics tools and that this was causing, this was stunting CX team capabilities as well. Have you seen any indication that analytics has shifted as a priority for CX teams? Yeah, we're definitely seeing that going up. And in particular, when we look at spending on technology, we have nearly 60% of CX pros saying that they're expecting their program to increase the spending on technology in the next 12 months. And a similar percentage are talking about increasing their spending on things like initiatives and, and projects or improvement or on the data itself. Things like digital intelligence platforms were at the top of the list of investment areas for this, for this particular year. And this is very well aligned to the idea that they need to improve their data analytics capabilities, which connects back to this whole concept of if we're going to be able to prove the value of customer experience, if we're going to be able to show where the organization needs to make improvements, we need to have the analytics that are going to tell us, here's where we need to dig. I mean, I talked about this at CXMA a couple of years ago, this, this notion of you need to be able to triangulate to the right spot to dig. 
and you need to have the right measurements in place. So you need to expand those analytics capabilities. And it seems like that's definitely become an area of focus for a lot of folks, not just in building the competencies, but in getting the technology in place. So you mentioned about change starting at the top, culture change, CX change, et cetera, support for the program. Do, do these guys, is executive support still there? I know we feel in the past it has been there, but is that changing? Yeah, it's going down a little bit, which is kind of depressing, bringing the mood of the room down just so slightly. <laughs> Last year, we had seen something like three quarters of executives being behind their customer experience. And this year, it's closer to about 50%. And I mean, you could you could boil this down to a couple different things, right? Like we could say some of it is the economy and they're just focusing on keeping the lights on and keeping the paychecks flowing. It could be that it's related to the outcomes that they've been able to see. If the metrics that they're looking at are going up, but the revenue is going down and, and there's just this weird disconnect between what's seen as CX and what's seen as the business KPIs, that's a problem. Um, but ultimately I think, this And I, I hate to always have to put this back on the, the CX leader, but that's the job, right? I, I talked about this actually in London earlier this year. It is the responsibility of the CX professional to explain the value of customer experience. You can't expect that the executive is just going to get it. You're going to have to tell them the story and you're going to have to make it worth their while. Maxie and I talk a lot about making your making your case by talking about things that are measurable and meaningful. So what can you measure? Yay, data analytics. We're trying to build that up. But what's meaningful? And it could be that an executive has a specific goal that they've been tasked with achieving. How can better CX help them meet that goal? Or maybe they want to leave a legacy behind. We see that particularly in the C-suite. The CEOs often have some kind of a legacy that they want to be known for when they leave that particular role, maybe when they move on to the next role or they just want to be known as a serial whatever. How can you help them? Because the more that you can enable them to have the legacy that they're looking for or to align with the passion of theirs, the more likely you are to get their support. So these other things, the economy, you know, the metrics, those can be real distractions. So it's the responsibility of the CX leader to cut through that noise and say, listen, I, I know the economy is tough, but let me tell you how we're going to save more money or make more money or future-proof this firm with better customer experience. Here are specific things I think we can do. Or, hey, I know that this is a personal passion of yours. I have some ideas of how we can solve for that and help the business at the same time. Isn't that great? So it's all about that storytelling, which sadly is not one of the higher capabilities. And it hasn't been for years. And I'm worried about that. So the 51%, I think CX leaders need to, to be put on notice. They have to fix that. They cannot expect the executives to fix it on their own. They have to be the ones that help executives see the value of better customer experience. Are you painting a, a potentially worrying picture here of uh, lack of executive support is dropping, budgets so-so, team size growing, so you're looking bigger, can't prove the results, tough economic times, tumultuous times, executive turnover. All of these things add up to like CX team, what are those guys doing? Get rid of them. They don't seem to be adding value. That feels like a really solid call to action in today's climate. I think so. But, you know, I'll also say I've, I've talked with quite a few CEOs over the past couple of months. And when I describe for them, 
even in very, very short vignettes, like, hey, this company did this thing and they made more money as a result, or they saved money as a result. And the things that they're doing are customer experience improvements. They always lean over and say, like, tell me more. They're leaning in on it. They are hungry for this. They want people to come to them with the answers to their big problems. And their big problems are, you know, how am I going to get more money coming into the firm? How am I going to increase my revenue? How am I going to save money? So cutting my expenses, but efficiently cutting my expenses, not just chopping off limbs. And how am I going to future-proof against all the things that are coming that I can't even anticipate? So building resilience. When you talk about customer experience in those terms, they're happy to have that conversation. They're hungry for it. So I think it doesn't have to be a dire picture. If we look at it, to your point, as a call to action, like we need to get up out of the chairs and go and make that case to the C-suite, to the boards of directors. And and for anybody who's saying, listen, I don't have access to my C-suite. I don't have access to the board. I hear you. But you need an executive sponsor. And the way to do that is by finding somebody at the executive level, VP or higher, who would talk about CX the same way that you would, but they'll do it even when you're not in the room. If that, if you find that person and they preferably somebody with some clout, some influence, they can help you inch your way into those rooms that you don't currently have access to. And then we move the needle on that 51% and get it back closer to the 75 that we had seen previously. I really do believe that CX teams can, can win more consistent attention from executives if they focus on continue to focus on collaboration, but specifically collaboration with who has executives attentions right now. Judy and I were on a call yesterday with a client where they were like, we're not getting the attention we need. The priorities keep shifting. And we were like, well, they must be paying attention to something. Go partner with those people. Who's being heard? CX relates to everything. That's your whole business case. So Go find something to relate CX to that leaders care about. Yeah, absolutely. I'd agree with that. I think you, you're never going to struggle if you, if you whenever you're never going to struggle is the wrong way of putting it. But if you focus in on, we understand the customer, we can tell you the pain points, we can understand what they need to be fixed, and we have the tools that allow you to work out to fix those problems. That's a solid place to start for me. Yeah, and I think the the overarching philosophy needs to be, we are doing this because we know it's the right thing to do for everybody. We, we know it's going to help our customers, but it's also going to help the business. When we come at it from the standpoint of CX for CX's sake, like we're going to improve this thing. And by improving this thing, we're going to improve NPS or we're going to improve CSAT or we're going to improve ease or whatever the metric may be. If that metric isn't specifically related to a financial target, it can be really hard to get executives attention because they'll say, but you're moving something that... I, I don't fully understand. And any CFO will tell you, like, fine, NPS or SAT or ease or whatever, those are great numbers, but I can't pay a salary with those numbers. I can pay a salary with the additional revenue that we just got in. Or I can cover people's salaries with the expenses that I didn't have to pay because we were more efficient about X, Y, or Z. So it's it's that kind of notion of how do we... How do we talk about CX in a business context? And Sue Doyle and I talk about this all the time, this idea that if you, if you talk about CX to improve the business, to increase the revenue, to reduce the cost, to improve the resilience, 
you will absolutely win executive support far more easily. And then to Angelina's point, there's always somebody who's the BFF of the CEO or whoever like the, the, the person with the purse strings is. Find that person and see if they're already in your court or if you can get them in your court. That's not being manipulative. That's, that's just operating the way the business operates. You have to figure out how to get stuff done. And so we can't just hold up a score and say, this, this score is the reason why you need to care. We need to talk about it in business terms. So it's not CX for CX's sake. It's CX for the business's sake. Well, that was a lot of insight marrying the survey results with your expertise, Judy. So thank you so much for really bringing it today. Yeah, no worries. I'm I'm always happy to talk about about what's going on with with CX teams, and in particular, the the one message. If I could leave everybody with one thing, is you know, don't give up at trying to tell that story. One of the most important things you could possibly do is just be the best advocate for customer experience around your organization. If you don't have great storytelling skills, you need to go get them, because walking at an executive chart first is not going to convince them to get on your side. Tell the story through pictures, tell the story through anecdotes, explain to them how the thing that they need to do is going to improve the firm's revenue, cost, or resilience. And as you do that, you will align to the things that they care about, and that's where you win the influence that enables you to get the resources to go and do all the things that you know that you need to do. And that means aligning your vision to the brand vision so that CX is in line with what the organization is trying to provide to the marketplace, that it, it has the spirit of your essence, your expression of customer obsession. And then you take that vision and you activate it with a strategy that's all about supporting the business through better customer experience. And I will also say shout out to all the folks in government and in nonprofit If you're thinking like, oh, we don't think about revenue. Okay, think about your adherence to your mission. How are we going to be able to support our mission goals, right? This is, it. it's just universal. And so I think CX, CX pros have a really interesting challenge in front of them at all times, but we are, we are here to support them through that. And it's a great and noble thing to make someone else's day better. And that's what customer experience leaders do every single day for people that they will never, ever meet. And that's kind of cool. If you want to learn more about measuring the value of CX, improving ROI, go back and listen to episode 297, where Judy already mentioned our colleague Maxi Schmidt will deep dive into exactly the frameworks that can do all of that. Thanks so much. And thank you to producers Ellie and Julia, without whom none of this would happen. If you want to get in touch, email us at cxcast at forrester.com. And as always, you can find us at forrester.com or on your favorite podcast platform. So don't forget to like, subscribe, and tune in next time for more CX Insights.